Mighty most deaf. It's simple mathematics. Check it out. I'll revolve around science. What are we talking about here? What's up, Duke Nation? Welcome back to Duke by the Numbers. I'm your host, Russell, a.k.a. Duke Better on Twitter. Uh, This is going to be a pretty informal episode here. Uh, I don't... uh, First of all, I've got travel coming up, and second of all, I just didn't feel after last night's disheartening loss like doing a very deep dive into some of the things that went wrong. Very frustrating to watch a game where we're kind of dominated for much of the second half, but then we get our confidence back, and then we as fans, we think we're going to win, and then we don't quite win, and then it looks like, oh, FSU's going to take it, but then it looks like we're going to win again, and then for us to lose in such a very, very disheartening fashion uh, is obviously really, really shitty and really hard to watch, Um, but so I wanted to come on today uh, and just do a really short episode because I know a lot of Duke fans out there like me are probably hurting right now with the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation right now is that Duke really needs to win out or only lose one more game to get a one seed in the NCAA tournament. We talked about the importance of that in a previous episode. In our last episode, we talked about the defensive rebounding, clearly still an issue. In the last episode, we talked about Wendell Moore's play, And he made his open shots, which I thought was good. It was definitely good. I don't need to think that. It's an unimpeachable good. But uh, obviously in other parts of the game, he's still trying to get back to where he was before the COVID pause, which is not great. I wanted to give two numbers to us here to give us maybe a little bit of... If not confidence, then hope going forward. Uh, Beyond the normal stuff, which is that we lose in January every year with these young teams, right? So, like, I I don't feel the need to overreact in a huge way. It's just a really disappointing turn in a very weak conference year that might cost us seeding at the end of the day. But I've got two numbers that I wanted to talk about today that maybe you'll find interesting. The first one that I want to talk about is the number 291. That's our first magic number today. And 291 represents on Ken Palm the metric of luck. And I want to talk about loosely how Ken Palm defines uh, luck in terms of his analytics. The way that we measure basketball is by wins and losses, right? But we also have to acknowledge that one bounce of the ball in a close game can really change things, right? And we saw that last night. If the charge is called instead of Jeremy Roach getting a blocking foul, we probably win. Uh, If, you know, one shot goes in that we miss, we probably win. Maybe if one shot of theirs goes in, the margin is widened. Very big swings can happen in close games that sometimes don't have anything to do with coaching. Obviously, I think we could nitpick some of the decision-making that happened in yesterday's game, and I think we should. I think that criticism is merited there. But generally speaking, there are a lot of close plays in a close game like that where I think we do everything right and they just make a shot. Like the shot at the end of regulation that FSU made, I thought we defended it 
just fine. I know we switched to man-to-man, but you can't really ask for the defense to be better in that situation than it was. He just made a hard shot. And so Ken Palm has an algorithm that measures quote-unquote luck, which basically says here is how a team tends to perform in close games with the understanding that if you tend to win a lot of close games, then you'll probably regress at some point. Or if you lose a lot of close games, then you'll probably uh, regress towards the mean, right? You'll probably improve in close games later in the season for the most part. There are certainly some teams that just win every close game, and there are certain teams that just lose every close game. But in general... If you are losing close games or in close situations, you are not yielding the results that would be considered average in close games, then that's how he tends to measure luck. And right now, Duke's luck for the year 2022 is 291st. So what does that mean? That means that in close games, uh, we're struggling to finish. You know, uh, in one-possession games, Florida State, we lose. Miami, we lose. Ohio State became a two-possession game, and we lost. Now, we did win the one-possession game against Gonzaga, but those are our only four games this year that have actually been close, and we've lost three of them, whereas generally speaking, we should probably be losing maybe two of them, and especially because we were the better team against Miami and Florida State going into the game. We should probably be winning those even more often. So I think that there is an argument to be made that losing some close games now will teach us some good lessons, as it does every year, and that we should regress toward the mean in terms of winning some close games that that come up down the stretch. That doesn't mean that we definitely will. It just means that you know, in general, in close games, we've not been great right now. You could certainly argue that coaching is a part of that. Uh, you could certainly argue that play calling in clutch situations, if it's not good, then you'll just continue to lose. I think that's a totally fair argument. I think it's also a fair argument if you want to look at these situations and say, hey, if that shot doesn't go in, we win. It's That's totally true. You know, uh, I think in general, we should be coming out around the average in close games most years. And right now, we're well, well, well below average. So, if we're looking for a positive, (laughs) it's kind of been that things have not gone well so far. (laughs) Which is as weird (laughs) to say as it is to hear. Um, But yeah, generally speaking, just very few teams every year just choke in big games repeatedly. Normally, that just doesn't happen. So let's hope we're not one of those teams, and let's hope we see that regression, because I do think that, generally speaking, in close games, uh, we tend to do okay. Last year, we obviously did not do very well in close games. I think that goes without saying. Uh, But in, like, 2019, 2020, we had more or less good luck. 2018, we actually had pretty below-average luck in close games. 2017, around the average. 2016, a little below. 2015, definitely above, although the tournament run and winning a lot of close games in a tournament certainly helps with that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, if you look through that metric, you'll see that, generally speaking, we're kind of up and down the line, as one imagines one should be, and generally we're probably, over the course of a large sample, right in the middle where everyone is. 
let's hope we're going to get close to the middle or above it uh, over the course of the rest of this season. The other thing I wanted to mention today is the number 237, which is going to sound like a negative, but I don't necessarily mean it this way. 237 is currently our defensive rebounding rate. We talked about this last time, and certainly our defensive rebounding rate was better (laughs) before this game than it was after this game, and it was bad before, and it's bad now. But I want to point out something that I already talked about on Twitter a little, but that you might be interested in. 236th in defensive rebounding rate, the year when we had Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter. 238th in defensive rebounding, the year we had Zion. So in those years where we made the Elite Eight, we could have easily made the Final Four in both of those years. We had basically the same defensive rebounding rate, and the teams were still good. They were still 1-2 seed level good. The problem this year in addition to the defensive rebounding, is the offensive rebounding. Marvin Bagley's year, we were obviously the best offensive rebounding team in the country. Zion's year, top 15 in the country. This year, we're 113th in offensive rebounding right now. So defensive rebounding doesn't have to be a net negative. To some extent, it's going to be by design. We talked about this last episode as well. Some of it is coming from that we want to that we want to run a little bit. We want to push the tempo on offense. Some of it is right now that Mark Williams is trying to swat every single shot that comes in, so he's jumping out of position, which if he's going to block the shot or try to block a shot, that's totally fine. The team just needs to like rally into those positions, and so far we haven't done that, but also we weren't very good at doing that in Bagley's year and Zion's year when we were also looking to block a lot of shots. But if we're not getting those extra field goal attempts from offensive rebounds on the other side, then we're looking at a net negative field goal attempt margin, which is a losing recipe at the end of the day. We talked about this, uh, I forget if it was last episode or the one before, points per possession, right? The more shots you get, the more likely it is that you score points per possession. And the team that shoots the most is going to more often than not have a very good chance to win that game. FSU, I I haven't even looked at this number. I'm going to look at it right now live on the show what the field goal attempt margin was. So we took 55 shots. (laughs) Florida State took 73 shots. Of course, you know? I mean, you're you're almost never going to win. It's kind of a miracle that we were in the game if they're taking 18 more shots than us. And I think it is a testament to the fact that our interior defense does tend to be quite good. (laughs) the problem just is our defensive rebounding isn't good. And if our defensive rebounding isn't good, then our offensive rebounding damn well be better be good. Otherwise we're in for a world of hurt and we're going to lose games. We shouldn't like we did last night. So I think that even though the defensive rebounding is the narrative right now, certainly it was a narrative I was pushing going into the game and it was a huge problem yesterday. I think that goes without saying, I, I don't think that by itself, the defense defensive rebounding is a a huge Achilles heel. I think the lack of consistent rebounding and boxing out in general for this team is the Achilles heel. Um, because if we offensive rebound, if we crash the glass a lot more, then our defensive rebounding woes become way less important. Where do we get that gain? I don't know. Um, I, I know that Coach K talked about the defensive rebounding in the presser last night. It's definitely on their minds, as it should be. 
Uh, we've just got to make gains somewhere. Duke is generally, as I talked about last time, not a good defensive rebounding team, but we are generally a very, very good offensive rebounding team. One of those things needs to change, and generally one of them does. So let's hope that one of those changes, because I think if we can make the field goal attempt margin, uh, you know, shove a little more in our favor, certainly not be a minus, what was it, 18 <laughs> like last night, then we have a really good chance at winning a ton of games going forward. I, you know, I think the one seed is probably, like I said, gone unless we run the table or come very, very close to it. But we will be favored in every game going forward. Uh, you know, I think if we can just nail down some of these fundamentals, turn it over a little bit less, rebound a little bit more, then we have a very good chance of, of only losing like two more games. Uh, and if we lose only two more games, I'm, it depends what happens the rest of the season to everybody else. Who knows what will happen, right? And then we've got the ACC tournament on top of that. we just got to figure it out. And generally speaking, Duke loses a couple of crappy games in January, as we know, and then we tend to figure it out, as we also know. So I don't feel compelled to push the panic button in terms of the whole season. It's just that last night really sucked. <laughs> and it's really hard to emotionally remind yourself that we feel this way in January so frequently. So today, after you listen to this podcast, if you even listen to it, go take a walk outside, maybe disconnect from the internet for a spell, <laughs> to eat a nice meal, right? And try to reach that nice zen place where you can remind yourself, hey, I feel this way every January. Deep cleansing breaths, Duke better. Okay. Uh, I am Duke Better on Twitter. Please, if you liked this, reach out. Let me know if you really hated this. I mean, reach out and let me know. Maybe I'll just block you, but <laughs> only one way to find out. And if you like it, please do subscribe. Uh, if you have things that you want me to talk about, bring those up in my Twitter mentions. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please do leave a positive review. It'll help the show pop up sooner for people that are searching for Duke Basketball Podcasts. Uh, big game on Saturday against Syracuse at home. Uh, Syracuse definitely can shoot the leather off the ball. I don't think we'll play any zone. We better not, but with Keels being gone, uh, it, we've got some very interesting things to do unless Keels is miraculously better by Saturday, which, you know, fingers crossed. I mean, fingers crossed for his health in general. That was obviously a very scary play. Uh, so until next time, I'm Russell, and go to hell, Carolina. What are we talking about here?